Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special new miniseries here on twitch.tv slash DD, Eberron Gateway to Perdition. You're probably going to recognize some of these nerds from this time slot. And thank you, TK, for starting us off with your your giggling. That was very nice. So folks who didn't get to watch the the pre pre show, which is say everybody who isn't us, uh, before we go live, I let everybody know. I'm like, okay, everyone, are we ready to play? Everybody gave me a smile and a thumbs up. And TK looked at me like they were going to kill me uh, for interrupting them. Uh, and How so, dare you interrupt me to remind <laughs> me to do the job that you guys pay me for. That's right. The thing that we're here to do. How dare I interrupt you? It's perfect. It's good. It's good it's energy. It's not like it was for something good. It was about Guardians of the Galaxy, like, <laughs> hot takes. Katie <laughs> You know, it's fine. It's fair. So you'll probably you'll probably recognize if you've if you've visited us for Jace Beller and Must Die, you will recognize uh, my friends Katie May, TK, and Masood. I've and put especially them... me. That's right. So in chat, as soon as we started in chat, Ogmilder said, "Weird, Carlos looks different." <laughs> <laughs> so yes, good observation. Uh, Carlos is, I think, like getting married or. Having his appendix removed or something, I, I don't know. Some important They're life event. They're basically the same. Yeah, some important life event. Uh, and so I am very excited and very happy to get the opportunity to play with William again. William, we've played together before. We did a one shot for Roll. Oh, so Con. many times. And yeah, we're, exactly. We played role playing games once. We're basically best friends now. Yeah. So uh, I am very happy that we have the opportunity to play again together. Um, why don't I put you on the spot and let you introduce yourself to the cast and the audience? Yeah, I suppose that that sounds fun. Okay. Um, well, I'm William, uh, they them, and I do. A, I've been doing like a lot of tabletop stuff with Q Times uh, for the past about year and a half or or, or so. Uh, if you don't know who they are, they're an LA based like uh, tabletop production like company and stuff. They do a lot of streaming. They have a YouTube channel and whatever. Uh, I helped behind the scenes with that for a while, and then. Nice. I'm predominantly a performer. So then when like we were actually starting to do shows that I could be on, I was like, Hey, can I do that? And they were very uh, helpful and gracious in getting me uh, a show that I GM myself. It's uh, using the kids on bike system. And also um, I, I am on like a monster of the week show. That's pretty continuous and, and that kind of thing. And I do a bunch of stuff here and there. And the last thing you had me on was for pathfinder. That's right. Second edition. Uh, and uh, and then outside of that, I'm in a band called Glass Beach, and we just signed for Run for Cover Records. So if this Ooh. means anyone to yeah. anything to anyone, that's uh, well. What's yeah. what's great is that because you are here and Carlos is not, your mentioning of your band and talking about record labels will not now eat up the next hour and a half of the show. <laughs> um, because if Carlos were here, no one else would get a word in edgewise. We would just the two of you could just talk about that forever. So uh, I'm excited for you. That's very cool. Do you um, if somebody wants to go and listen to your sick band, where can they where can they do that? We are on all streaming platforms. We're on iTunes and Spotify. Okay, actually, we might not be on Title. Okay. I, I don't no. have a subscription yeah. to Title, so I wouldn't know. But <laughs> um, we're yeah, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes. Um, all the if there are other ones, we are on them. Um, because we we went through like a it, like DistroKid, which like if you put your stuff on there, it pretty much just puts it everywhere else. Oh, cool. Um, and now Run for Cover just like manages all that stuff for us, and they're a, a label okay. and make sure we get. Everywhere. They do label stuff. So they do label things. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have people ask me sometimes about uh, Dungeon World and they're like, well, why do you need a publisher? Can't you just like do all that stuff yourself and like keep the money? And I'm like, 
yeah, I guess I could theoretically, but I would rather someone else handle all that boring crap for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the The band's name is Glass Beach, and I just I have a car drive to make later today, and I just added it. I'm gonna listen to this album. I'm downloading. Well, thank it. you, thank you so much. Damn We're all loved. taking out our phones. Every audience at home, <laughs> has a great time to pull up Spotify. That's on your right. IPhone. It's a play along at home, the home game, and or Android device, Katie. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> follow Sorry, every, on your own. Follow everyone, and then follow all of the cool stuff that they do. Um, well, on the uh, on the off chance, uh, on the off chance that uh, the audience has not been here for the rambunctious fun that is Jay Speller and Must Die, let's do. We'll do a little. Let's get reintroduced. I'm going to allow you to reintroduce yourself. Uh, let's start with Katie because Katie May was making the best face. Go. Who are you? Wow. What is your Katie. deal, Katie May? <laughs> Uh, my deal. I'm Katie May. Um, you have not seen me on the internet, but you've probably heard me uh, DMing Dungeons, Dice, and Everything Nice, uh, a D&D 5e podcast that you can find on any podcast app that you so choose. Uh, I do it here in Chicago with a few other uh, all-women-identifying comedians. It's a real good time. Boom. In and out real quick. <laughs> nice. You did it. I have to say, I'm, I'm thankful for having uh, William here in addition to all of the other reasons, because they are in the Pacific time zone and this is no longer Chicago runs slipshod all over the rest of us uh, while TK and I have to just watch. So that's cool. We'll We're, still talk about Chicago. We can do <laughs> oh. oh, just you wait. <laughs> this you this wait. happens sometimes during the pre-show where we'll be talking about something and then everyone in the cast who is from Chicago will start talking about like a random intersection. And I'm just like, yes, we have streets in Canada as well. It's usually when I get through like the latest level of whatever phone game I'm playing. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Our, oh, our yeah. content, our Chicago content is approachable. It's you don't relatable. Have to, it's I feel relatable. like if I lived in Chicago, it would be very valuable to me. I would know, I would be a much cooler Chicagoite, Chicagoan. Maybe all of our content's also like NBC Chicago content. Like it's unrelatable to Chicagoans though, in actuality, but it's great for everybody else. <laughs> so good for everyone else. Everybody loves Chicago PD, Fire, MD, Law. Uh, you know, eventually I would like to be able to produce a show that's like one of those 90s uh, like sketch comedy shows that just are, they do jokes about a very specific location. And if you're not from there, it doesn't make any sense. Like um, almost live. Uh, they just made jokes about like the Puget Sound, and you're like, Haha, Seattle. I'm like I don't. That's not. I don't know the, the joke. It's not actually funny. It's fine. <laughs> well, let's keep. We'll keep the Chicago energy going. Uh, Masood. Oh shoot. Who are you? What is your deal? Hey, I'm Masood. I'm a comedian from Chicago. Uh, I do stuff all over the city. Uh, most notably, um, been doing a lot of things through Second City and uh, Annoyance and the io theater but um you can find me online at marood boy um and on twitter which i created for jace beller and must die and guys you know it's crazy 236 followers <laughs> zero following i'm still it's 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 growing the way it needs to grow uh, uh, it's really nice <laughs> mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair, fair and reasonable. Um, how is your uh, how is your accordion going? 
It's going well. Thank you for bringing it up. I'm mm-hmm. also an amateur accordionist. Um, this is important information <laughs> for so everyone mad. to know. Um, I I'm really happy it's up. become part of your identity now. It's not just like I'm learning to play the accordion. I am an amateur accordionist. Oh, for sure. Uh, and eventually amateur will be removed mm-hmm. once I truly, someone ex- broke it down for me because the accordion is a fascinating instrument. Um, but the left side has just a series of like um, buttons running up and down it that are correlated with circle of fifths for scales, which means nothing to me because <laughs> I, I played classical percussion for like nine years. So like the keyboard, I kind of know because of scales, but this whole other thing, I'm like, okay, it sounds creepy here. So that must be minor. And like, that is about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got word that uh, Roll20 themselves is actually going to hire a professional accordionist to come on stream. Oh, finally. Test you when you're ready to remove the amateur I mean, status. Uh, let I me was... go get it out of the closet. It's, right, it's literally right there, guys. I could get it right now. I mean, it wouldn't be the strangest instrument I've had someone play on a D&D stream with me before. So, What is the strangest instrument? Uh, so my, my friend uh, Max, who, surprise, surprise, also from Chicago, uh, you're inescapable. Uh, so my friend Max has a collection of musical instruments that he cannot play very well, but are mostly props for his pirate costume for Ren Fairs. So he will schlep his hurdy-gurdy to the Ren Fair simply to wear it around. Uh, he played it for us a few times on stream. Uh, it was a nightmare. It was an utter <laughs> abject nightmare. Um, but a nightmare I now remember fondly. You know how sometimes when it's happening, you're like, I wish this would stop. But later you're like, that wasn't so bad. That's how I feel about listening to Max play the hurdy-gurdy. So uh, you playing the accordion would would be a step, I think, up from there. Um, well, Pardon How do I feel about children choirs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever if you ever want to remove the the amateur part of being an amateur accordionist, I'll give you a dollar and you can make me an accordion video that's a second and a half long and then you can be a professional accordion player. That's oh, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Hey, I've got content for you. Let's let's get on this train. Um <laughs> Well, we'll start a DM channel. Don't worry. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, yeah perfect. Cool. Uh, and uh, last but not least, and I love TK. I love this. There was a comment in chat earlier that was like, I can't tell if TK is frozen or just being very, very still. <laughs> and I think that's great because it implies you're some kind of apex predator. Like, <laughs> you're just leaping out of the bushes ready to attack. I like that... What? No, I'm playing something called Not Another Pixel Dungeon and it's (laughs) riveting. Um but I I do appreciate the uh the stalling that Masood was doing for me because I had run through like a fire trap and I was like running to water because if I stayed in one place then I would definitely die. Um What was the question? <laughs> I feel like if you know what we that could be your introduction if you like we could just leave it. I I feel I feel good. That was strong. I'm TK. I play phone games when I'm supposed to be working, and um, really, I'm just like all of you. Extremely oh. relatable. Like of everything else, like I'm in a band. We just got signed. I do a podcast. I play accordion. I play phone games when I'm supposed to be paying attention to other things. You immediately just win the the like relatability award. <laughs> 
Well, I just, I got through all of my um, deadlines. Uh, the show that I DM just is between seasons. It's, it's really all coming up TK right now. So oh, we're dealing with vacation TK right now. <laughs> I, I got it. senioritis yeah. TK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to see you play a character that is uh, not tack. Not because I don't love tack, because I do, but it'll be interesting to associate you with something that isn't like a murderous shit goblin. Um, I'm really no. looking forward to that. Instead of, it's a murderous 60 year old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're a 60 year old human now instead. Um, well let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So the, if there, there are some people I'm sure in the audience who have, who watched the, the GM prep because they like dramatic irony and they like knowing all the things in advance. Um, but these characters are not only pre-gens. I made them specifically based on some things that y'all asked me for, um, and for the scenario kind of that I have in mind. Um, and I wanted to show off some of the new stuff because we're playing in uh not Ravnica this time but Eberron now there's some there's some similarities between uh Ravnica and Eberron in that they're both a little anachronistic but where uh Ravnica is um you know high high strangeness and magic everywhere and guilds uh Eberron is somewhat grittier Eberron is a sort of pulp action uh film noir kind of uh kind of thing um plus it has robots yeah which actor's voice is doing the narration voiceover? Right. Um, hmm. It's a great question. Don Rickles. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you never watched a classic film noir with Don Rickles voiceover? It's great. It's great. Um, so yeah, what, what we're going to do, we're going to, obviously we'll, we'll start up the, the miniseries here. We've got three episodes, three, three hour episodes of uh, gateway to perdition that we're going to do. And I've made some characters to kind of show off some of the cool stuff about Eberron, but the players uh, have not, they haven't like, they didn't make these characters. They're getting access to them for the first time. Uh, I was saying to TK earlier, uh, I'm very thankful that TK has risen to the challenge of playing uh, the, the new class the artificer, which is going to be pretty cool. I'm excited. Um, so let's, yeah, let's just like take some, let's take some time. Let's, let's get familiar with the the setting. Let's talk about it. So, uh, the game is set in the city of, uh, of Sharn, which I can actually show you, uh, on the map. Cause we have a big cool map. So this is, this is the, uh, this is the world of Eberron and we're going to be ignoring 95% of it. And down at the bottom right here, uh, is the city of Sharn. So Sharn is kind of the like big city of the of the world. It's the the major metropolis. But instead of being built out, it was built up. So it's the city of the city of towers. There are um, several kind of layered, kind of like um, like Midgar from Final Fantasy VII. There's like several layered uh, districts. So you you kind of go up and down uh, within Sharn, and then each district has its own kind of life within. And uh, all of the towers are connected by bridges, um, which is why in Sharn, uh, magical technologists sell uh, feather tokens because if you fall off a bridge in Sharn be bad news for you unless you have magical in real life some of the yeah that's right <laughs> some of the um 
some of the the uh, districts have like built in Featherfall like wards, but those are really the districts for rich people. The places we're going to be hanging out probably do not have that uh, in place. Uh, it rains pretty much all the time in Sharn, uh, and also because this is sort of a noir setting, uh, things are are gritty. There's a lot of muted trumpets uh, and and regret. Um, so I've I've tried to work a lot of that con- that thematic content into your character's backstory, which I uh, gave you. Um, I gave you basically so for for people watching, I gave the players each a little bio for their own character to say sort of this is what your character is about. This is some stuff that's happened in your past, uh, and then a little bit of what you know about the other characters. So I guess we want to kind of go through and talk about each of the characters. And uh, I'll answer any questions that that you might have. Um, but uh, TK, in this, uh, you're playing. Do you want to do you want to tell people what your your the idea you gave me that I used to base the character on? Oh my gosh! Do you remember what you I, do you remember what you said yeah, to me? I'm I'm still in the Slack channels, so let me just take a gander. Oh, can I make a request? I desperately want to play a 60 year old white collar war profiteer, fresh out of prison, like a bomb ass Martha Stewart type. <laughs> I just love the idea of Martha Stewart selling AK-47s <laughs> out of the back of her van. <laughs> Bomb ass Martha Stewart type. So to fulfill to fulfill that request, uh, I created uh, Delilah DeCaneth. Uh, so DeCaneth uh, is a uh, Caneth is a one of the dragon marked houses. The dragon marked houses are sort of the nobility of the um, they're the nobility of uh, of the the world of Eberron, and they have uh, and Delilah, you are among them. They have what are called dragon marks. Dragon marks are magical sigils uh, that appear on some of these people. They are, I believe, at least partially genetic. So if Delilah had uh, or has, because you're 60, so there's a chance this is true. If Delilah has children, they might also bear the dragon mark of uh, making, which is the Decaneth mark. Um, Delilah is uh, an artificer, which is a sort of spellcaster, magic item creator. And uh, what what kind of uh, artificer are you, Delilah? Delilah is the type of person who previously she'd been a procurer of goods, but now she's she's branching out. She's got her own brand. She likes to um, cater to the needs of specifically people who need to hide their weapons. So they mm. she she does a lot of like thigh holsters and small derringers that pack a pack a nice punch yeah and your your subclass is artillerist right so you can make yourself turrets and flamethrowers and (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the yeah the artillerist is a uh is a a weapon crafter and and wielder and uh yeah you you have basically when you make your weapon you can make flamethrowers or a force ballista and it can be uh self-ambulatory so it could be like a little turret that walks around and follows you or it can be in the shape of a like a handheld weapon uh, mm-hmm. So that is that is sort of your main jam is creating and, and manufacturing these weapons. And this is important because the, the world has come out of the end of like a massive war. Uh, there's a big war between a bunch of different countries and the technological level in this uh, in this universe is sort of post. Maybe I, I would say that it, depending on like how uh, how deep into the kind of magical stuff you go, like some places obviously have more technology than others because technology isn't evenly distributed. But generally it's in a kind of magical equipment 
equivalent of post World War One, pre World War Two. Like there are, as we mentioned before, there are like trains. There's a big that orange line on the map. That's the lightning rail. So there are trains uh, in the setting powered by magic. There are airships. Uh, and uh, one of the other things that differentiates this setting from from others is there are a bunch of different uh, species, one of which are the Warforged, yeah. uh, of which uh, Masood will be playing. So, Masood, uh, what was your what did you request of me to make a for me your character? Let me I. So having spent a lot of time uh, playing well, recently Torgor, which is great. Um, I did not want to play a typical humanoid character. I didn't want to do a dwarf, an elf, or a human. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of fun being an impulsive uh, like character. Like we all know the way uh, Torgor <laughs> operates. Uh, let's, <laughs> yes, let's try yes, something a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you made investigation unit 1138X, a.k.a. Rook Slade, <laughs> a robot. Yeah, that's right. A robot, a, man. A robot. Terrific. Yeah. Thank you. So you are you are going to be playing, yes, a, a robot private detective uh, mm-hmm. named Detective Rook Slade. Uh, and the Warforged were created for that war. Um, the investigation unit 1138X is, I think you're only like... Eight years old. Yep, you're eight. Um, <laughs> you you were created. Uh, you were created to fight in a war. Uh, you and all of your kin uh, were robot soldiers, basically. And uh, generally, Warforged are approximately human size and human shape. But there are other um, more. Um, uh, terrifying iterations of the Warforged. They're enormous juggernaut Warforged. Some Warforged uh, followed and still follow a uh, a rogue uh, sort of deity figure named the Lord of Blades. But you've put that life behind you. You served your time in the war, and you tried to make it as a as a legitimate police officer in Sharn. Um, but it didn't really go so good for you. Nope. Yeah, and so now you're you're making your you're making your living as a as a, a gumshoe, a private dick, and uh, and so as a result, uh, I think probably despite the fact that you're a warforged of all the characters, yours is the most kind of film noir protagonist character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you're you're a warforged. There are other warforged. The the story that war that kind of revolves around warforged is them being built for a purpose but not needed for that purpose anymore. They're the stand-in for like so many kind of like downtrodden war veterans in noir, right? That like, there's no place for me in the world. I'm going to either become like an organized crime or I'm going to try to be a part of the like law enforcement. And so that's kind of the Warforged story is that they don't really know what their place in, uh, in Eberron is yet. And they're trying to kind of make it uh, either as members of a, a, a organized community or as individuals yeah. trying to find respect among uh, other people who see them as maybe constructs. To be fair, who knows what they're supposed to be at eight? You know, that's, that is hard. Yeah. I mean, you got a good, like 12 years left in your life. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there is a, like an end to the Warforged. Like, I don't think I know Warforged is old enough to know how, how long a Warforged lives. Right. Right. No to have a motherboard upgrade or anything <laughs> like that. No, like truly like, yeah. uh, like their parts have just been damaged from the war probably. Yeah, well, and and that's the thing, right, is that they were they were created at the beginning of the war using these massive magical forges to serve as soldiers. But there's no we don't know if they 
we don't know if they're immortal or not because we haven't had enough time to see if they outlast the people that made them. Uh, most Warforged died in battle or were, were deactivated in battle. So in a way, you're you're kind of both Deckard and Roy Batty. Right. You, you're like you're both things because you never know. You could die tomorrow. Your your incept date could come up and that'd be it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so that'll be fun. I think that uh, your all the characters have connections to each other. They at least know about each other or mm-hmm. uh, or maybe they're like old friends or rivals. Um, and we'll we'll reveal some of that stuff as we uh, as we play. Um, I liked how when we, so I didn't, when I was doing the prep, I didn't reveal any of the character choices or anything. I didn't say like, oh, this person is playing that person. Um, but I liked that once we started and we had the overlay up, a bunch of people who saw the prep, uh, saw, they were like, oh, of course, Katie's playing a changeling. Mm-hmm. So changeling, Katie, wasn't actually one of the things you asked that I added that for you. Do you want to talk about your, your concept for the character and, and how we, how we executed on that? <laughs> Um, I asked for specifically a Smee looking for his Captain Hook is what I asked for Um, just because um, I don't know I wanted to be blindly loyal to a cause everyone's throwing me such shade of course she's a changeling when I asked for some like I asked for the uh, devout loyalty is what I'm going for today Mm -hmm. a change of face (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. Rather than rather than the the beloved backstabbing b- ballerina monk we know from the other show, yes. it's time to be loyal. Yeah, I so I I love this kind of character. Like I I play that sort of character pretty much all the time. Like I like clerics. I like like characters who are I like Wormtongue. Wormtongue is my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. I like people who are just like blindly foolishly loyal to someone who's a bad idea to be loyal to. Um, I have to ask then, was Hubert your favorite character in Fire? Of course. Of course, Hubert is like the the ultimate ideal of that uh, that idea of and and with with that type of character, especially there is Wormtongue does this, too, where it's like, I will serve you uh, to the best of my ability, even if you don't understand what it is that I'm doing for you. Like I burned down your childhood home so you no longer have to worry about the memories of it holding you back from what you truly can become. You're like everyone I know lived there. And you're like, yes, I know. I did it for you. This is true. Um, So I figured I figured the best way to get at that kind of character for this uh, for this setting was to make you a character who literally can become whoever anyone needs you to become. Uh, You are you are a changeling. They are a distinct species uh, of people, um, but they are able to uh, to change their change their form more or less at will. So you can become a human or an elf or disguise yourself easily. Um, But I, I imagine that with a character like Vic, most of the time, it's like you use that ability to just like do your job better to be like, you need me to be a human right now. Or, and I think there's probably a lot of like subtle manipulation that's involved there. Right. Where if you take on a human form that looks kind of like a person, they're going to like you more. Cause they're like, Oh, like you look like family or whatever. So it's, you've got lots of room to be a very talented, uh, lick spittle. And then also I made you a warlock. So you have like layers of people to obey above you. Layers of people to please. I love it. Yeah. Um, how, um, commoner changelings in, in our new setting. I think they're, it's hard to get a good census on them because it's not like you can like, 
you can count them. You're like, all right, in this, in this house, there's three halflings and a human. Wait, no, two halflings, a dwarf and a human. And then every time you look at somebody different. So I think probably it's unclear uh, just how many changelings there are. There's no, as far as I know, there's no way even for a changeling to at a glance recognize each other, right? You don't have like a special uh, way of noticing that. So they tend to be separated from there. And, and I'm noticing kind of with the Warforged and with the changelings, there's a... There's kind of a, a theme of connection to your own culture or not, right? Like the sense that the Warforged were simply made to look like one another. You may not have anything in common except the shared trauma of war. And then changelings, you you wouldn't even know, right? Unless unless somebody showed you their true form, which is the sort of gray, gray skin, uh, pale hair, uh, gray eyes, kind of changeling look, uh, you could hide and pretend to be somebody else forever. You might never meet another changeling. Wow. Yeah. Because that's so wild. Because like just like as a DM thinking about how difficult that must be to manage, just like, yeah, it'd be really like in like subterfuge is so much easier now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, and it, it adds to it adds to that sense of conspiracy and paranoia that again is like such a hallmark of noir fiction, right? This idea that like right. not only can I do I not know if I can trust you, but you might not even be who you seem, right? The the leggy dame that walks into your office might actually be a changeling, right? So you you never know. And I, I think that creates this sort of sense of yeah, you might exactly you might be if if you have three friends that you've never had in the same room at once, it might be the same changeling. Right. Oh my like. God. <laughs> Because that's the thing is, it's like you're a police officer. You've had the ninth man today be like, no, it was a changeling. I swear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was a, it was a changeling. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I didn't. It was, you just look like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And so it, it creates that sense of, uh, of sort of paranoia and uh, and strangeness uh, in the in the cool. world. But uh, Vic is uh, I think probably in this neighborhood, uh, Vic is a fairly well-known quantity um, in the sense that you you know you've worked for a few different people uh and uh, done some done some dirty deeds uh as a result of having different people in charge but your old friend delilah is finally out of jail and she's gonna be she's gonna be your ticket out of this garbage life (laughs) yes i'm so ready yeah i'm really i'm really looking forward to that so that should be uh that should be fun we'll get to know we'll get to know vic in whatever form they decide to take uh, when we uh, when we get started, uh, and then uh, lastly, uh, William, William uh, you you pulled a Canadian on me, and the only request you made was, "I'll play whatever, <laughs> whatever the party needs." Yeah, <laughs> which like I I appreciate. It's nice. Like I I'm I'm usually that person too. Where I'm like, I'll I'll play whatever. I'll fill in. So uh, I made uh, I made this this character for you. I made Bruno Bruno the fighter. Um, Bruno is of everybody in the group, probably the best known, uh, though, depending on who you are, uh, and what your opinions are about Bruno, Bruno is either, uh, a, f- a character who has fallen from grace or is a, uh, a dirty, no good, disloyal scumbag. Uh, Bruno is a professional fighter. Bruno is a, a boxer. Uh, and, uh, you are playing, uh, a shifter, which is another of the new, 
uh, Eberron races. Um, now it's confusing because we have changelings and we have shifters. And what's the difference between the two? Um, changelings can become uh, any other sort of humanoid, right? They, they shift their form, they change and they, their identity changes with them. Uh, Bruno has two forms, a more human looking form and a more bestial looking form. Uh, Bruno takes on the, the qualities of a, of a bear and I'll let you decide. I picked the, the token I could find for Bruno is literally just a bugbear with like little fur shorts on. I um, love it. Which so, I think is pretty good. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm big fan, big yeah. fan over here. Yeah. And so it's, it's sort of shifters are sort of a step between like true lycanthropes, right? Like Bruno isn't a werebear. Lycanthropy is, is a thing that exists in this, but shifters are um, more in control. They don't become fully animal, um, but they take on animal features. So their hair becomes coarser and longer. Uh, maybe their, their uh, muscles become more pronounced and, uh, the different types of shifter give you different abilities. Um, so Bruno is a, uh, a disgraced boxer, a uh, former uh, star, a champ of the, uh, of the underground boxing circuit uh, here in Sharn. Um, but uh, there was some, there was some disgrace in your past uh, that led you to fall from that, from that position uh, and make some enemies. Uh, and, and that's one thing that the, the group has in common, right? The, the one thing that brings all of these, uh, these characters together uh, is okay. a shared foe uh, in the form of the night street gang. Um, the night street gang is, a, a an organized crime syndicate that Delilah, when you went away, they weren't shit. They were nothing. They were, they were like no good, like drug runners, uh, and street hoodlums. But it seems like things have changed in the old neighborhood since you were gone, Delilah. Uh, and the, uh, the night street gang, uh, has taken over, uh, somewhat. So before we before we dive in, because I've got a big a big sort of like bang we can we can jump in on. I kind of wanted to just do like a little like miniature uh, session zero with everybody just to kind of get everyone on the same page and like talk about any kind of like stuff that might come up in the setting. Um, so I've done what I can to make the the sort of miniseries feel like noir in tone, mm -hmm. but obviously as a genre, noir has some sort of problematic ideas about things like race or gender. <laughs> it's not great about, you know, like women, for example. Um, so I'm going to try to ignore, we're going to try to ignore and cut out all that crap. We're going to get rid of all that stuff. We're going to keep the gritty black and white vibe. We're going to keep the muted trumpets and the rain and the fedoras and the cigarettes. But the, the more problematic stuff we're going to set aside in favor of like pulp fantasy. Um, those, those kind of things are, are, you know, more interesting to me. And it's, this is our, our Eberron, right? So we get to make those calls. Um, the whole game is going to take place in, uh, the city of Sharn, uh, with the exception of a single scene that you'll see in a moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's going to be a little bit more constrained than your usual D and D campaign, a little less chaotic than say Jace Ballard must die because, we only have three episodes to get everything done. So I'm going to assume everybody uh, is going to kind of like point in the same direction. Um, as far as I hadn't really thought about using any like safety tools or anything like the X card or, or lines and veils. Um, is that something that y'all want to use? Should we, should we do something like that? What do you think? Are you familiar with these, these things? That's also a thing we can talk about too. I am not. Yeah. Okay. So there are a bunch of different ways that we can make role-playing games, uh, safer to play, right. For, for us, uh, as a group. Um, and they sort of depend on, uh, a couple of like, 
tools. There's a couple of different ways. The two that I tend to like are uh, lines and veils, which are things that we can talk about in advance and discuss being like a line will draw or a veil that will draw across a scene. So these can be things like um, content that you might normally uh, think to uh, to like look away from when it happens. So the common ones are like gratuitous violence or like torture or like anything that might be upsetting to to engage with. Right. We can say right now, if that comes up, we'll just we'll just draw a line and we'll move on. Right. So we can have like the bad guy captures you and ties you to a chair and reveals that he has all these scary implements and then just be like. And that's the end of the scene. We can just you you don't have to like walk through your character being tortured or whatever. We'll just move on. And then later kind of do the Empire Strikes Back and be like later Rook is thrown into a jail cell and he's, you know, all beat up. Right. One of his optics is cracked and like we can draw those conclusions. Uh, It's also a good way to kind of elide um, like sexual content without saying the characters never have sex or there's no like romance in the game but if you're not comfortable playing it out you can be like and then we kiss fade to black right and then later you wake up in bed together and it's like yep okay cool we can just infer that they hung out and ate grilled cheese sandwiches and played uno um right so lines Uh, and veils are away uno remember (laughs) <laughs> yeah, remember we heard a lot play. about that from last session. No, that's right. we, Omu. we play Omu. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, so that's one way to do it. It requires lines and veils. Requires having a little conversation at the beginning and kind of being open about stuff that you don't want to have uh, in the game. But lines and veils doesn't always cover like everything, right? There might be something that comes up, and if you forgot to mention it or you didn't realize that it was something that was going to bother you or whatever, it can be awkward to, to be like, "Hey, I know we already had this conversation, but." Can we draw a line on this? Now, you can do that, obviously, but the X card is another way to do that where we basically put if you're playing at the table, you draw an X on a card, you put it on the table. And if anything comes up at all that people want to just stop talking about and move on, you just you just tap the X card. Right. So in this case, I would have on each each screen, I would have a um, a big red X. And if something comes up that you want to skip over or you're just like, cool, we're done. We don't need to talk about this anymore. You can. You can ping it right in roll 20 and we'll see the big the big circle. So that's that's another option. It's a little bit more free form. Uh, it's easier for uh, like constrained environments or times where you don't necessarily know the people you're playing with that well. And you might be more and more comfortable with a sort of um, in the moment like, oh, I just realized this is bothering me. Let's move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so those are a couple. Uh, I know that there are other kind of safety tools for for playing RPGs, but, um, you know, I, I've been playing games with TK and Masood and, and Katie Mae for a while now, but we have a new player. And so it's worth revisiting these conversations uh, and talking about. It. So what what do you all think? How are you feeling? Um, I think I, I'll, I'll, I'll start in because like you said, I haven't been uh, a regular player with all of you, but uh, personally, I'm, I mean, there are things that just like, I'm going to avoid anyway, because mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, there's a way about me that I like uh, my, whether it be um, how, how I feel about the world or, or whatever. So I'm, I'm not uh, generally concerned because I also play with other like-minded people often and I feel like you're all sort of in that same vein, so I'm not super concerned about it. Uh, if if I was to say, uh, like, a thing um, at all that I wouldn't, like, I have, I, I, like, I'm not expecting this kind of thing, but if I, if, like... Uh, no like like transphobia i guess yeah well and yeah. that's and that's sort of that's sort of a thing that that i i wanted to address on the top like for me like 
in this game, particularly like I have a personal kind of line, uh, line and veil thing around like gendered violence, racism. Mm -hmm. Like I just not, I'm not interested in them in the Mm -hmm. game. The only thing in this setting that might come up is, and I wanted to talk to Masood about this. Um, people treating you like you're not a person because you're a warforged that might come up. But also if you say, I'm not interested in that, then I just, it just won't happen. I do. We can just be like, yeah, you just won't meet anybody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I wanted to address. Cause there is that, that possibility. Um, yeah, but yeah, definitely Thanks. like, again, like I said, we're going to strip away any of the, the like gendered violence bullshit. We don't need any of that. Noir can have it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with, uh, mainly because I also trust you as a DM for, how to handle that relationship of NPCs uh, who might not be the most kind to Warforged. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also, if something comes up, I'm glad to know that there are tools at my disposal that we mm-hmm. all know and respect. Okay, cool. Good. Um, yeah, this is one of those things that like T like for T TK and I, uh, especially where like, I like the creepy weird stuff too. And I always have to bring this up because sometimes you'll get in into a groove where you're like, yeah, body horror, like some other weird, creepy thing. And I feel like it's good to just like bring that up and be like, cool, we're going to need to not, let's not get carried away with that. I've had that happen in other games where uh, two players kind of get into a thing and everybody else is just watching them. Like, this is very uncomfortable. What's happening. (laughs) I feel like this could have been a nice tool when Torwar broke off someone's finger to make paella. That would have been <laughs> someone could have yeah, used. I didn't, I didn't feel the need to X card uh, finger paella, but maybe, right. maybe someone else yeah. did. Maybe that was also that person sucked. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. You can make, you can make finger paella okay. out of the hands of people yeah. who are jerks. <laughs> I, I prefer I not to see kids killed on camera. That's yeah. I don't know. If, if a kid died and we just like heard about it, whatever but like i don't like situations where it's like if you if you fail to blah 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 they're gonna kill this kid right "Mm, uh, no that's and that's great that's a very good that's a good thing i have a player in another game who is um they're they're very like they're easily upset by um like violence against animals so Mm -hmm. that's just something that that we've like as a group we're like we just won't do it like it just doesn't doesn't come up we change things so that that just isn't a possibility so that's good to know that's nice. Thank you for letting me know. Also, about that. Carlos is not here. My so there thing. will be no child killing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Carlos baby killer isn't here. <laughs> um, my only thing is that I usually play at a table and um, especially for like horror is when I find this most useful is to have like a yellow element as well as a close yeah. as well as I can. Like, hey, like, let's maybe shift the scene more away. Like, yellow is sort of like, slow down. I'm not like, I don't have to stop, but just, but I'm hitting yeah. like a threshold, yeah. I think is important. I know I use it at my table. It's a really, I think, an important communication tool for my table yeah. just to be like, hey, like, I'm still here and I'm with you. But like, just like as a scene partner, I'm letting you know that we're, we're approaching a limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use the uh for for mi- mists we use x and o as red yellow green so mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay now do we want to do we want to have a like a formal tool like the x card for that or do we feel more comfortable just saying like hey can we <laughs> wrap it up because <laughs> it can be hard to interrupt right when people get into a groove you yeah. don't want to step in and be like can we I'm just going to stop you in the middle of your scene. Like it can feel uncomfortable. You can feel like tense. Do you want, should we have another, like a nonverbal way to communicate that? Or do we feel okay? Like just being like, 
cool. This is great. But like, can we, can we move on? I don't think it's going to come up, but this is why we have these conversations. Yeah, we've always had like a, oh, sorry. I was saying we can send a zoom message. That might yeah, be, Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 We do have zoom chat. Yep. Cause I'll always, I'll always see those uh, as well. Yeah. Okay. And also, um, honestly, we have a pretty informal way of playing games on here. So I've always <laughs> felt comfortable stopping for, yeah, that's true. And and this is I guess this is something that that's worth for people who haven't watched before or, uh, for example, William. Um, we <laughs> yeah, the, the way Jace Beller and the way this group is kind of uh, sh- shaked out and I'm really curious to see th- how the energy is like different. Uh, yeah, we have a tendency to go on on tangents and we're not like in character all the time. Um, not today, baby. We're so, yeah, that's right. Locking it in. <laughs> Someone made a joke about you being young, Katie, and we ignored it. That's all right. right. We, did, yeah. we didn't even yeah. attach to the joke. We didn't, yeah. we didn't stop and make jokes about me. All business. Yeah. Yeah. All business babies. So it's Just so worth- you know, William, they wanted to bully you, and I told them no. That's oh, that is I have do receipts that. that prove that that you is a lie. I love that. You're the Anything only one on my side. It's true. I'm your only friend, William. Those can. can be photoshopped. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I felt like it would be a really strange energy if I came in and just st- started bullying all of you. So I. That's how I also... you actually prove dominance. And yeah, you know, I was that's say, what yeah. I did. <laughs> this group, this group responds very well to being bossed around. So there's still time for you to well, do. That. I'm such a big bully that I took the game away from Adam last week. So <laughs> I, yeah, honestly, I believe, you fit right in. I believe there was a moment where where TK said, "Wait a second, I'm not the DM of this show," <laughs> which is good it's nice you know the the positive way to spin that is that we share the load together (laughs) that i don't have to do all this work alone so you don't i'm your only friend adam (laughs) it's nice that's good i know hold on a minute (laughs) i could be both of your only friends that's true so i think i think for the most part like it's not like we're playing a game like i don't know blackbeard's bride or even like vampire for example there's not going to be a lot of stuff still dungeons and dragons it's mostly going to be punching bad guys and getting in trouble and doing pulpy stuff there's not necessarily going to be a ton of that stuff so i think we'll be pretty good but i feel better having had the conversation at least and knowing that if there is something that that somebody needs to elide that we have a vector for that so that's good um we i was gonna do and i was i was joking about this with the cast earlier i was gonna do like updates to the overlay to add um uh pronouns for all the characters but all the characters have the same pronouns so everybody in the group is they them all the characters are um, I think Vic also, do you, so for Vic, do they, um, like they, them is, is probably their, like their neutral pronoun. And then if they're in a yeah. gendered form, they might use different pronouns. I think that Vic would respond to any and all. I think that's part of the, um, exhilaration is being able to ascribe to any of those at any given time. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Fun. I like it. Um, and for, uh, for Rook, um, mm-hmm. they, them is, is there pronouns now? Is this because that those are the pronouns that Rook has like decided on for themselves? Or is it just like more like Vic where you have a different relationship with what biologicals consider gender? There are no genders in the Warforged. We are just Warforged. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think this is an interesting thing to look at in terms of because a lot of the time you have these these you have groups where it's like a bunch of binary pronouns and then a a character or two characters that are non-binary. 
but with a whole group of characters that are non-binary, we get an opportunity to look at the fact that non-binary isn't one one thing that there's a lot of different ways to do it. So it's cool that we have a character that's like response to all genders because they're extremely fluid in that way. And then another character that's just like gender is not a thing like for me or my people. Like we just don't consider it. Um, yeah, I love it. It's super cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Coincidentally, that's how I feel about human beings. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> really? Yeah. Um, no kidding. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and and that's and that's a that's a fun thing you can do with role playing games. Sometimes role playing allows you to assess something from a somewhat distant remove and then have revelations about that thing. Be like, wait a second, this is true in real life too. <laughs> I'm also a murderous goblin who tries to attack people with a melon baller. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you know, whatever I say, I've survived an encounter in real life with you. And so you're not actually that scary. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I can what? still be scared if it makes you feel better. It does. <laughs> and it's only because I was in the middle of stealing like an entire tray of cheesy bread. So that is true. You had your hands full. <laughs> and Todd like called me out. Todd is so scared of me and I love it. I live for Todd being afraid of me. <laughs> Excellent. Todd was like TK and I was like, fucking say something, Todd. <laughs> Come yeah. for me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Todd's fair game. It's cool. Um, Bless his heart. Yeah. (laughs) So I think for me, that's, that's pretty much all I kind of had to to go over. Oh, the other thing was we're going to jump around in time a little bit. Um, (gasps) So I will probably need your help. Uh, I'm going to enlist you in this. I think a lot of DMS try to do this and they don't get the players on board and then they, they fumble badly because it's very complicated and challenging. So the game is going to begin at the end and then we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to work our way back up to the end. Um, so chronologically, I, again, I will, I'll need your help. You're going to need to find reasons to get your characters on that train because we're starting at the end of the game and we're going to rewind and spend the next, the next rest of the sessions, like figuring out how they got there. And, uh, and you know, instead of, well, you know what, let's just, let's just do it. I just wanted to warn you, there's going to be some chronological jumping around. I might need your help making sure that continuity functions the way that we want it to. Um, yeah, but a lot of the so what the other the last note, I guess, is that um, much of the material that we're using, uh, almost all of it comes all the new stuff, especially comes from the uh, yet to be released uh, rising from the last war D&D supplement. So there's going to be stuff in here that is new both to us and to everyone. Um, so even if you're familiar with Eberron from, uh, the Wayfinder's guide, a bunch of stuff has changed. So if you are expecting a certain mechanical thing, or you think we're making a a mistake, like for example, about Rook's armor class, Mm -hmm. Warforged in this book are different than the Warforged in Wayfinder's guide. Um, the, um, the, uh, 22 armor class. Yeah. I only have 14. Well, so you're Adam. not a, you're not a fighter uh, hmm. first, and they're comparing hmm. you very unfairly to uh, eight, which is a Warforged in another game that I ran, run by Dave, who I think is maybe the most mechanically proficient Dungeons and Dragons player I've ever played with. <laughs> so eight was yeah. deeply, deeply min max to have high armor class. Yeah, uh, Rook, yeah, somewhat easier, but you were not meant for frontline combat. You're a sneaky, That's true. you're a sneaky Absolutely. investigator robot. Also, so. we can talk about integrated protection later about uh, how I can 
can remove uh, update my armor class. Yes. Yeah. You currently have uh, the equivalent of leather armor integrated uh-huh. into your chassis, but you can, yeah, you can, you can change it out and, uh, sure. and adjust it. Yeah. Um, yes. TK. I know you've been ignoring me for a little while, but this is a very important question. <laughs> yes. Are all of the NPCs hot? No. Some all of them some of them are not hot. Um, you clarify that they're good. not hot when they are introduced yeah. for the first I think time. it'll be clear when I describe the the NPCs that are not hot that you will uh, know. you thought that about dregs, but Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's we true. Yeah. Okay, just like do your do your description and then at the end say not hot. Oh, I did not have, hot. <laughs> right, okay. I did have a question um and it's mostly just a jokey question, but uh, TK, the violence against children thing, does it apply to halflings wearing diapers? Fuck. Are they grown halflings? Yeah, but they have like a weird baby kind of like shtick. Is it okay to a beat them up? Like, like a, like a I mean, fetish or like, like a shtick? If they deserve it, I'm not going to beat some it up okay. just some of because you will have shtick. Some of you will have information about this NPC in your character background. Uh, Bruno uh, especially <laughs> has had personal interactions with this this particular a halfling. A diaper to halfling? Are you serious? Only, I'm, only sure he will, I'm sure he they... won't come up again. <laughs> not not hot clarify no, clearly for not me hot. right that's clarify. one of the not hot okay. npcs okay. for sure okay cool but okay. i just wonder um, if it's okay yeah, to like boot, got... boot this one off of a cliff or something it's not... okay as long as i don't get shamed on the internet for king shaming <laughs> yeah it's less it's less a fetish and more of like a um whatever they call like I, I don't know enough about wrestling to know the term for this but like they're it's oh, like, like a, it's like a kayfabe a persona. thing it's a persona yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay it's that's a boxing fine. persona <laughs> yeah if they deserve it we can we can whoop them yeah I mean I, unless Rook, they like it ew if they like it no Rook Vic and Bruno all know about uh, the baby but oh, I, Delilah's I been in jail already. Delilah's been in jail any. for most of the baby's like rise to power I think he actually got oh. really big this summer dropping a lot of hot tracks yeah. and really has been blowing up okay yeah. so this is the thing in my background oh, so you okay. do you yeah you've heard uh, you've yeah. heard tale of of the baby i'm so mad i hate it there, i will say i will say that tonally my anticipation of this is that it's likely to be less it's likely to be less chinatown and more who framed roger <laughs> rabbit mm-hmm. nice <laughs> i think we're gonna end up there like we could we could try for la confidential but i think we're gonna probably <laughs> fall short of the seriousness meter nope. on that one so i am i am betty boop in that club <laughs> we're gonna go full noir everyone's gonna be shocked everyone's gonna be like wow they weren't chuckle fucks this time <laughs> wow. it'll be the most serious campaign ever made all right so i think i think we're ready to we're ready to start at least we'll be able to get some some time in on this opening scene um so let me set it up for you and then we'll uh we'll see we'll see what happens i had one yeah. mechanical question i was gonna say yeah if, if anybody yeah. has any last questions yeah please for sure so oh, I was at, uh, no get out of here um we all know rook slade is um <laughs> uh, rugged ruggedly handsome um, Hold a TK there for a second. He's, he's eight. We'll see. Um, so eye for deceit. I was uh, ear for deceit. Yes. Um, it says whenever you make it, you have the Jesus archetype. Um, whenever you make a wisdom check to determine whether a creature's lying, treat a roll of seven or lower on the D twenty as an eight. Yes. Then does it add the like modifier? Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Okay. It means you can't roll any lower 
than uh-huh. an eight. Like if you roll a seven, just pretend that you rolled an eight and then add all your modifiers and stuff. Yeah. There are well, a few, still there are a few classes an, that have this. Yeah. And then a nat one, I imagine still is a nat one or is that also? No, no. Covered? It's if you're wow. trying to determine if somebody is lying, you cannot yeah. roll worse than an eight. It is not possible, Uh, which means eight is the default baseline uh, uh, difficulty rating for me to overcome with a deception check. So you're very hard to lie to. The irony is that you have the ability ear for deceit and yet you have no ears. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) My receptors. (laughs) That's right. right. You have head mounted microphones like uh, an ASMR streamer. Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) The best. People just walk up behind Rook and be like, Rook, Rook, what's going on? <laughs> Stop it! Stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. So yeah, you 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 um, and you can you can flavor that kind of however you want, right? It could be like you're reading their heart rate. It could be like it's so easy to read biologicals when they think that they're lying to me. Like you you can flavor that however you want when when it comes down to it. But yeah, you're exceptionally good at grilling nerds. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, nerds. Any other question? Yeah, any other sorry, questions? But so Sophia? technical. Please. For my book of ancient secrets, which are those spells? Did you pick those spells? Which yes, are those? Your, your spell list is already, all that stuff's covered. You don't have to make any choices. Okay, cool. That's all done. Whatever's in the spell list, that's, yep. you got it. Yeah, I wanted to right. reduce the amount of, of having to like pick things and not knowing the optimal stuff. So you're, you're Eldritch good. Eldritch Cannon. Thank yeah, you. that's, I guess that's a question. <laughs> Delilah, um, you would have already made yourself your Eldritch Cannon. Uh, is it a force ballista or a flamethrower? And is it uh, a, like a, a gun, like a pistol or a rifle or something? Or is it a, a turret that follows you around? How long have I been out of prison? Um, I I assume that the beginning of the, the game proper is you... Uh, like you're arriving you literally like got off the train with your bag and met Vic at the station right like I imagine that you you literally just got out of jail I made it in prison okay, nice. so it is a it is wow. a very small derringer um, flamethrower and like it's it's cobbled together with like some some rubber bands and floss and a, a dental like a toothpaste, but it's got like it. my it's artificer <laughs> runes. Like in, <laughs> so in in, j- in jail, the guards are going through the like confiscated items and they're like shiv shiv phone drugs flamethrower. <laughs> I changed it. It's not a it's not a flamethrower. It is a ballista. You want to go with the force so that, ballista? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. it, it makes more sense. All right, cool. It shoots like little sharpened toothpicks. I'm sorry, is that just a gun? It's a gun. It's a magic gun. Yeah, it's a magic gun. I guess guess that's the other thing is that um, there are there are firearms very sporadically like available in Eberron, but the problem is that by the time they were safe enough and like accurate enough to use people who use magic had made better versions already of like magical stuff. So there's like, like the gun that Delilah has, um, lots of people have wands like magic missile wands mm. or, or whatever force wands. Um, so it's more, it's more like that. Uh, an actual mm. mechanical pistol would be kind of like strange. Yeah. And can a gun be yeah. my arcane focus? Yes, sure. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Cool. Gun is my dump stat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's totally wisdom, fine. charisma, gun. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's like, I mean, I guess a hexblade war, uh, warlock in Eberron could use their their blade pack to that make would a be gun. So rad. 
rad. Yeah. That'd be so rad. There you go. Free character concept chat. Do it. Gun warlock. <laughs> Guest kill. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, most, most uh, uh, people have um, like limited use magic items. Um, and uh, in the same way, a lot of our, and this is kind of similar to, uh, to Ravnica, but it's like kind of grittier in uh, Eberron, but a lot of places magic stands in for, uh, for where we would have technology uh, instead. Yeah. Quick question about that. So I noticed that I don't have a single feather fall token in my inventory. That's right. Nobody so does. Can I, You're all poor. Can I switch out a little bag of sand for uh, <laughs> No. I'm not poor. I'm unfortunate right now. That's true. Yeah. You. You like technically, Delilah, you you have a whole noble house that that owes you for doing a bid for them. But you need to you need to get prove yourself first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're nobody. Nobody in your family came to pick you up from the train station. Right. None of your old friends. It was it was Vic. Vic came to get you. (laughs) So no friends and no family. (laughs) Except for me. That's right. No One friends pr- and no family. Okay. So Delilah is Mr. Burns and Vic is Smithers. I see how it is. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay, cool. Um, Just wanted to bully Katie for any other hours. thoughts, questions, shots, shots at Katie. No, we're good. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So let me let me frame this opening scene and we'll uh, we'll we'll start it off and then we'll take our break. and We'll finish it out. So uh, I think we we fade in on every everything in. Imagine all the descriptions that I make. Imagine them to the sound of like a mournful muted trumpet soundtrack. If I don't actively describe that it's raining, just imagine it's raining anyway. Um, so I think what we see is not, not the tower. We don't see the towers of, uh, of Sharn. We don't see the, the cramped, uh, urban sprawl of the, of the city of towers. Instead, uh, we see, uh, darkness and wilderness, right? We see, uh, forest, we see mountains. And, uh, the only sign that this isn't a completely, uh, wild environment is through the, through the mountain range, we see, uh, the occasionally flickering metal track of a lightning train. So we can see this like a, like a sleeping serpent winding through, uh, winding through the mountains. And pretty much as soon as we're able to notice that, as soon as it's visible in the shot, we hear the sound, uh, of the, uh, of the train. Um, now because it doesn't have a steam engine, it doesn't have wheels. There isn't, it's more like a bullet train than it is like a steam engine, but we hear that the faint sort of crackling sound. Maybe we hear the sound of the rail activating and as the rain hits it, it evaporates. Uh, and then we cut to a shot of a lightning train coming, uh, coming like barreling through the, uh, through the mountains. I wonder if I have, I might have some art of a lightning train, but I think if I describe, if I use the words lightning train, you could pretty much figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a magical, yeah, lightning rail. It's a magical, uh, a magical train meant to carry, uh, passengers, cargo, etc. throughout, uh, throughout the world of, uh, of Eberron. Um, and we hear, uh, yeah, we hear it first, uh, and then we, uh, and then we see it, uh, it comes into, uh, into frame. It's made out of, uh, wood and steel treated with magic. There are flickers of, uh, of lightning coming between it and the rail, uh, and it floats, uh, like, like it's magnetically propelled, uh, over this rail and it, it rips by. And we see, I think from outside, we see the, the windows of this, uh, of this passenger car and, um, we see that the train is is basically empty. 
Um, nobody, this, this, it's an empty passenger train. Um, and this, this is it, right? This, this is the 2 a.m. train out of Sharn. It's the last chance to escape a city that's turned its back on you. It's your only way out. And now it's been cut off. So we cut to the interior of a car. We see the group of you. And uh, essentially, the, the train car is like a hallway, right? Uh, there are cabins on either side. There's an open area. You maybe thought that you were the only passengers on this train, but it clearly, clearly has been proven you were wrong. On either side of the car, the doors have opened and coming in holding, uh, I think, probably like crossbows uh, and uh, and clubs. We see members of the uh, Sharn City Police Department. Uh, you recognize them, Rook, by their little hats and their their armored outfits. Uh, we see them. Uh, we see them. Them close in on you, and uh, they have you surrounded. And it looks to you like uh, they are not here to uh, to to ask you nicely to to return with them. So I'm going to pop you over to this uh, this train car map. Uh, that I have uh, I've put together here, and uh, we are going to see how our characters deal with these police officers who are here to get you. So there is uh, there is a uh, a captain, and I think actually I'm going to move you, Bruno, over here. So there's a captain in charge, and I think he does this his thing. And you've seen this look. I think all four of you have seen this look on the face of police officers before, where the words he's saying, right? He says to you over the hum of the rail. He says to you, everybody, just put down your weapons. Nobody needs to get hurt tonight. You're going to come back with us. But his eyes. And the little grin on his face say, please, please put up a fight. It's all I want. Like, please give me an excuse. Uh, you know that if you go with these uh, with these cops that Delilah, for example, you'll never see daylight again. You, you've got a pretty bad record. And if you if you're found to have been a recidivist, it's it's back to the hole for you for the rest of your life. And the rest of you all have another, like you have a reason to avoid being arrested by the cops. You've all done bad things. So why don't we, why don't we get the, a description of the, of the characters, right? I've described the situation, but I'll give you a chance to kind of give me an idea of what your character looks like to you, right? I picked some tokens that I think would be good stand-ins, but give me a description of what your character looks like and what we would learn if like if we this is our first shot of them, what's the look on their face? Do they look nervous? Are they like readying a weapon? Give us some some idea of what the what the character is thinking by way of this description. So Delilah, uh, tell us you're you're the one that has the most to lose here. What do we what do we see as the camera pans over to Delilah? I should say I do have the most to lose. After all, <laughs> I could lose my freedom, my riches, my networking my clients and all they have to lose are their lives how sad <laughs> and so delilah uh, sort of tilts this this elderly uh humanoid sort of tilts their their romance novel that they're reading and turns their chin down a little They've got a fur stole around their shoulders and a dress that mm, probably fit them better when they were younger. A uh-huh. silk red number with sheer sleeves and a low neckline. And they tilt their head to the side and their little black bob <laughs> tilts with them. And they tilt again and 
Vic, be a dear and uh, stamp out my cigarette. I can't have it burning while we're dealing with this. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm gonna just—I'm just gonna move Vic right over here. There's no way you're any more than five feet away from Delilah. What is what does Vic? What does Vic look like right now? I think that they're in like a travel sort of mode. I think that they are probably looking like a human right now. <laughs> Someone who would be seen traveling with Delilah is kind of like my look because I don't I, want to make Delilah feel like they're with someone of a lower. I don't know status. why this. I don't know why this just jumped into my head, but I envisioned uh, Vic as being looking like um, Raul Julia, <laughs> like Gomez Adams, like the little pencil mustache, like like that's oh, one good. of your forms. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just, a, just a sharp little suit, mm-hmm. and a sharp little number. Yeah. Um, Delilah definitely dresses Vic out of their family's closet. Ah, nice. If Delilah has like the fourth romance novel, like in the series, I have the first one and I'm trying to catch up. (laughs) So so we talk about it as friends. Um, So, yes, that's sort of my situation. I've stamped out the cigarette and I've done a wonderful job. Okay, nice. All right. And uh, Rook, what about you? I mean, these you know some of these guys, right? Like this yeah. this lieutenant, maybe you don't know his, his his whole name. Maybe you can't you can't remember his maybe it was Doyle or something, mm-hmm. but you definitely you know all of these guys. You you've seen them before. They're from the same precinct you are. Right. And probably uh don't think highly of me because they still have their jobs while That's right. They all and that's happy. the problem of knowing yeah. all these cops is they all know you too. Right. Uh, and so Rook uh, Investigative Unit 1138 is 6'10 and 310, 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the way I envision this is that they are really like lanky, like they are mm-hmm. thin and wiry, but also because they're investigative unit in order to like get and disguise themselves, they can kind of compress oh, their, cool. like joints to like collapse a little bit. Not a lot. Like they, their size will stay medium but yeah. they can compress slightly. Uh, and I was really inspired while I was thinking about this. Like he looks like Q from street fighter third strike. Like okay. he's got, he's got the trench coat over and like, like the button down and the tie, but it's all really low quality. Like it's like, there's like dirt all over his trench coat. There's clearly like sprawling. So it's coming. It's not high quality. This duster that he's got on him. Um, and the same thing with like, you know, he actually wears a bow tie. He doesn't wear a regular tie. He wears a bow tie. Yeah. Sorry, they, they wear a bow tie. Yeah. Uh, and um, their face is much more robotic than it is like, like a human mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see Rook press themselves up against uh, the, imagine this like side wall. Um, putting their like back to Doyle maybe and like kind of trying to get a read on them while also pulling out their short sword in their right hand while making them 
as small as possible. Yeah. Making, so you're making your, is it, are, so are you, you're uh, trying to stay hidden or are yeah. you drawing? Okay. Yeah. So this so isn't like, a, like, I'm drawing my sword as a way to say like, yeah, I am going to right. Okay. So despite the fact that, uh, Delilah is a pretty high profile, like relatively influential target here. Most, most of the police seem to be most concerned about what, uh, our last party member is going to do. Uh, and I think to the point where, where the, the lieutenant, when he's speaking, he's addressing the group, but he's looking at, at Bruno like, all right, Bruno, like, I know, I know how you are. Like, let's, let's all just stay calm. What do we, what do we see when we, when we follow the lieutenant's eyes to, uh, to Bruno? So Bruno, uh, is also uh, kind of tall, not as tall as Rook is, but like it six two, uh, pretty uh, 250 pounds, like, but very like dense muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they're wearing, um, like kind of, uh, like calf high, uh, really formal pants that are just kind of a little bit shredded. And then also like just a duster, like no shirt underneath, very like hairy torso. Uh, and they have kind of bronze is bronze ish skin, uh, with, uh, with gray, like gray, light, white, hair that is like they have long hair Mm -hmm. and then the hair like on their on their body is also like it but it's not like hair you would see on it 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 resembles fur more than hair like Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, on the on the torso and everything um and they're wearing this duster no shirt but the duster is also like at the arms and like shoulders and everything is also like a little bit shredded yeah um but like Right now, you wouldn't really know exactly why, uh, because it does it feel it does flow off of them just a tiny bit at the moment. It's not mm-hmm. like they're filling it out or anything uh, yet. And um, when the lieutenant looks at uh, Bruno for this, uh, they uh, they put their hands up and uh, and start to put them kind of behind uh-huh. their head. Yeah, because right right now ain't none of these cops in punching range. Yeah. So yeah, so they they kind of look, and there's a moment you see between these these two bandits, uh, these these cops over here, uh, where they they look at each other and they're like, "No, you go arrest them. No, you arrest them. No, you do it." And they kind of like it happens silently, but one of them, uh, yeah, th- this one back here kind of covers covers you, and uh, this this officer approaches. Uh, he puts puts his weapon away, reaches for some handcuffs, uh, and and walks towards you, uh, and he's doing that that placating thing where he's got one hand out and he's he's like we're just gonna take you back to the station bruno get all this cleared up like he's trying to pretend like this is gonna go great for you if you just cooperate uh and he comes over with the with the handcuffs to uh to cuff you uh i i'd like to imagine i uh, that there is like a device at each of my palms like down by the wrist mm-hmm. uh that bruno can like press and it shoots the knuckle dusters over their fingers. <laughs> yeah. So this this guy, I mean, nobody ever thinks that Bruno the Bear is truly unarmed because most of these people have probably been at one of your fights. These are these are like bad neighborhood cops who hang out at the same things the mobsters do. So they've seen you fight. Nobody nobody here has any compunctions, but getting punched in the face by your bare fists is scary enough. And then the knuckle dusters come out. 
and the cop probably realizes that this is not going to go great. Uh, do you, you sock him in the face? I sock him in the face. All right. Let's let's have you roll that and I'll give you that one for free and then we'll roll initiative. Uh, and then after the break, I guess we'll do our we'll do our little fight with these these officers. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, and, and take a swing at him. Uh, OK. All right. So the the first swing now this is great you get two because you're a two weapon fighter so the first swing you lunge at him and his own innate fear of you his paranoia like gives him that that animal like like he backs up and your your fist swings in the air but a lot of people forget about the left hook you want to try and try and tag him again uh, let's see is this cop wearing armor. Uh, he is. So you, you hit him, uh, not enough to, to hurt him, but you, you, you punch him in the chest. He, uh, he staggers back, like trying to catch his breath and the Lieutenant, instead of, uh, you know, getting upset that this turned into a fight or whatever, we just see the Lieutenant grin and, uh, reach for his truncheon. Uh, but instead of coming towards you, Bruno, he's looking over here, like who's the person I can beat on the easiest. And Vic, it looks like you are the target. So what we're going to do is we'll roll, we'll get everybody to roll initiative uh, and we'll get all that stuff going and we'll, we'll play this out. But first we're going to take a short break. So thank you everybody for, for coming. Stick around. Uh, We're going to take a little break here and we'll be right back with more gateway to perdition. Don't go anywhere. 